I um, want to share a story with you as my sermon illustration today, and I, I brought this little, this little device. It's called an uh, uh, Amazon Echo, um, an Alexa. Most, most of you have one. And if you've ever seen the movie Waterboy, uh, there's, a, there's a scene in there where Adam Sandler, I think he's talking about foosball, and he says that Mama says foosball's of the devil. Well, I'm here to tell you that this device right here is of the devil. Right, and I'm going to share a story and explain to you why this is of the devil, but I want to give a disclaimer before I tell this story and just assure you that no children were injured in the creation of this story. I just want to say that up front because I'm going to share something I'm not quite proud of. Um, I'm hopeful that, that many of you, particularly the parents in the room, will be able to relate to it, um, but I, I just want to assure you that no, no children were physically injured um, in what I'm about to tell you. So the last time I was with you was back in August, and we had a great morning that morning. Um, I was excited about the message. I really felt like that, that um, it was a message that God had laid on my heart, and, and it was a message for us, and I had given you that message. And, and we actually, um, one, some of the prayer team came and said that you know, at least one lady was so moved by that that, that she sought them out and, and prayed to receive Christ. And so um, praise God that, that uh, we have a new sister in Christ now um, because of, not because of what I did or because of what the prayer team did, but because God was moving that morning like he always does. And it was an amazing, amazing morning. And it's important to know that God was doing some amazing things that morning, and it's important to know that, that I left here on a spiritual high. Um, I'd had an incredible morning with you guys, and uh, my family had been gone for about a week. Uh, Katie had been at the beach, and so uh, the kids had only been back for about a day or so. Um, and everybody was tired, and everybody was exhausted, and so we got home that afternoon, and, and Katie had had about all that she could take of the kids. And so she, she just said, hey, I, I just need to leave. I need to, I need to get out of here for a little bit and, and go. And I said, okay, that's fine. I, I'll take, I mean, you know, I was, I was having a good day. I was like, I got this. Don't worry. And, uh, and so it had been a very, very rough afternoon. I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but with three small children and, and being tired and, and everything that was going on, they were just off the hook, just bad, like just fighting and not listening and just, it had just, I mean, it had just been terrible. And I had, you know, remained calm most of the afternoon, but I, I was getting to my wits end. And all of a sudden I heard my two older kids upstairs and they were yelling and screaming at each other. And before long I heard something fall and I went upstairs and they were fighting over the hermit crab cage and I absolutely lost it. I'm talking like Jack Nicholson in The Shining lost it, okay? I'm yelling and screaming and just out of my mind. I mean, like reminding them that I brought them into this world, I can take you out of this world, um, that, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm even preaching, I'm reminding them that it's the only reason I'm not killing them is the restraint of the Holy Spirit right now, right? Meanwhile, my head is spinning in circles, and I mean, I am just out of my mind. I'm not proud of it. Um, it's funny now. It was not funny at the moment. Um, but if any of you are parents, you, you may be able to relate to that. Now, <clears throat> that in itself would be bad enough if the story, if that was all there was to the story, but it's simply not, unfortunately, all there is to the story. See, these little things, these little Alexas have a unique feature on them. It's a feature called drop-in. 
And what drop-in does, if you have multiple uh, dots or multiple Alexas on the same account, you can drop in on other Alexas, which means that, that if Katie and I want to, if we're in our room and we want to drop in on the kids' room, then we can do that, right? We can, we can drop in and the mic becomes live and open and we can hear what's going on in our daughter's room or any of our children's room. The problem is, is that not only are our Alexas on our account, on the account, but so are my in-laws. <laughs> so my four-year-old, who is oblivious to all this going on, who doesn't care, she's just like, yeah, whatever, mom and dad lose it every once in a while, this is just whatever. So she bebops into her room and she drops in on my in-laws, Alexa. Now my wife, that's where my wife had escaped to, unbeknownst to me. And so my wife and her parents are sitting in their living room watching a movie or watching something nice, calm, peaceful, quiet, tranquil, tranquility to all of a sudden hearing me like, here's Johnny, just out of my mind, screaming, okay? <clears throat> well, I have no idea that she's dropped in, but I can't hear my wife yelling, Lenny, Lenny, what's going on? To which I think that Katie has come in the house. Which actually excites me even more because I'm thinking game on tag team, right? So I yell, you better get up here before I kill him, right? You know, because I'm like out of it, right? Because I'm thinking, great, mom's home. I've got some, I've got some help, right? But, but Katie begins, she's like, Katie's yelling, no, no, I'm on the Alexa. I'm on the Alexa. Well, then I realize what's happened, right? And so I'm embarrassed, but I'm too far into it, right? So I can't just back off, Right? So I just got to go, well, you better drive home then, right? Like, I don't care who's listening. You better get home, right? To which Katie goes, I got to go, <laughs> right? And she comes home. Now, not one of my more positive defining moments, right? Not one of the best moments in my parenting career. Not a moment I'm proud of. Actually, after I calm down and all the adrenaline and the energy's gone and you've kind of resolved everything and, and you're looking back and you realize just how foolish you were acting and how out of control and you're going, how in the world did, you know, these three kids get the upper hand on me and, you know, and all this other stuff. I was really, really embarrassed. Um, and I, I called to, you know, apologize. And my mother-in-law was very, very gracious and she was reminding me that she was quite thankful that Alexa didn't exist back in her day when she was at home with Katie and her brother, Mike, um, because there's no telling what Harold would have listened to. And I've ridden in the car with my mother-in-law when she's driving, so I know what she's talking about. Um, so, um, so anyway, I, she was very gracious, but I was obviously, you know, deeply humiliated. It's not, it was not one of my better moments. And definitely not a very godly moment. <laughs> and, if, and if somebody had been standing there witnessing that, who was a non-believer, after I just got through proclaiming the goodness of Christ and, you know, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory and all this other stuff, and then just to see the absolute devil living in me uh, was not a great testimony. But because God causes all things to work together for good, I, as I'm lamenting and repenting, um, God um, began to birth in me what I want to share with you today. And I, I think that um, for some of you in the room, uh, like me, um, it, will, it will be um, deeply um, healing and hopefully um, uh, a great message for you. Now, I'm going to go ahead and warn you. I'm emotional about it, so I'm probably going to cry like I've never brought tissues up here uh, while I was preaching. But, um, but I brought tissues up here, so that ought to, that ought to tell you something. So, um, 
Before I get started, I want to kind of give you the, the front end of the story um, about the particular character that I'm going to be speaking on today. And I want to remind you that the reason I want to share this message today is because I believe for many of us, um, sometimes our best moments and our worst moments may only be a few pages apart in the chapter of our life. And the flip side of that is sometimes some of our best moments are just ahead of our worst moments. Okay, so just indulge me for a few minutes, if you will, and if nothing else, thank you for the opportunity to confess my sins uh, to one another, and hopefully we'll all be healed because of it. <clears throat> There's an interesting, um, one of my favorite characters um, in the Bible is John the Baptist. Um, I think John the Baptist is, is one of these unique um, characters that, that the scriptures tell us about. And uh, for, for a lot of different reasons. But one of the things that was interesting when I began to study was that, um, that John the Baptist, particularly his, um, his calling of Christ, his baptism of Christ, is actually captured in all four Gospels. All four Gospels record this event in, in some way, shape, or form. So clearly God um, is wanting to get the message apart and wanting to paint a really significant picture here because um, he lays it on all four authors' hearts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this event. And it's pretty interesting what they record, and it's important for us to know why they record it and what they say because it's going to kind of help us um, look at where John ends up just a few pages later. So, so keep in mind, all four Gospels record it. Um, all four Gospels clearly record that John, um, John's main purpose in, in life, his, his main purpose is to, is to call the Messiah out, to identify, to point to the Messiah. John makes that very clear that, that he needs to decrease so that he can increase. And, and he goes on and on and he talks about how that's, that's his purpose is to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. John is very clear that there is a Messiah coming, that there is one, that the Holy Lamb of God is coming, that he's going to take away the sins of the world, that, that the righteous one that the children of Israel have been waiting on is coming. He makes that very clear in all of, all of the accounts. He also makes it very clear that he's not worthy. He's, he is very clear that, that Christ is above him, that, that Christ will be our Lord and Savior, that we will serve him, that, that we, in fact, he even goes on to say that no matter how great I become, no matter how good I do, no matter how, how um, popular I become, I will never be even worthy to, to, to wash his feet, to, to, to help him put on sand. I won't be worthy to do any of that stuff, right? Like I'm going to be so far beneath this Messiah. All the Gospels also record that when Jesus is baptized, that the voice of the Lord comes down and says, this is my son whom I love and am well pleased. John even, rec John, John even records... This is the writer, John, of the, of the gospel records that John the Baptist says, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, I, I, I want to make it very clear if I haven't done so, and I think I have, that John absolutely believes that Jesus is the Messiah. And he makes it a public declaration John is present when the voice of the Lord comes down and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. John was present for a bit of that, witnessed it firsthand. So if anybody in, 
in all of Scripture, including Paul, if anybody in all of Scripture should have no doubt that Jesus is who he says he is, is John the Baptist. But the interesting thing is, is that Matthew and Luke also record another interaction with John and Jesus. If you fast forward a few pages later in those Gospels, we find that John is in prison. And John is there because John has continued to advance the message of Jesus, has continued to speak against the powers that be, against uh, both the religious powers and the political powers of his day and, and making very clear he was very bold in his ministry, very confident in his statements. And so because of that, it has landed John in prison and he's about to be beheaded. So if we look at Luke, um, the verses should be up here on the, on the screen and behind me, but if we look in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 18, we see this very interesting interaction between John and Jesus, um, kind, of, kind of, there's a mediary in between them, but it says, John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to ask the Lord, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or was to come, or should we expect somebody else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who, do not, who does not fall away on account of me. Now, this particular section opens with John's disciples told him about all these things. So, First, I want to just share with you before we unpack that, what are all these things? So remember, there's several pages in between John baptizing Jesus and, and what we have here in his doubt. And uh, in, in both Luke and um, Matthew, they both tell us everything that, that's kind of happened and all the things that they've done. In fact, um, <clears throat> If, if, we look at chap, if we look at Luke, Luke tells us that Jesus, just prior to this, in verses 1 through 17 in chapter 7, Jesus, um, we're told that Jesus heals a servant and raises a boy from the dead. Matthew tells us that, um, that Jesus, during this, during this time, had actually sent all his disciples out to do all kinds of incredible, amazing things. That he wanted to go out, he even, he even encouraged them, don't worry about where you're going to sleep, don't worry about what you're going to eat, don't worry about anything, I'm going to take care of everything. I mean, he had really given them this really, really bold, incredible commission and promised just that they were going to experience these amazing, amazing things. Like, you're going to go out and do all kinds of amazing things in my name. This is getting ready to be just an amazing um, mission for you. If any of you have ever been on mission trips, most of us come back far better off than we left. Like, no matter how much we've poured ourselves out, we 
we come back just so encouraged and, and so changed and just so in awe of what Jesus has done. And Matthew tells us that this is what's been going on with the disciples. Luke tells us that, that Jesus has been going around raising dead little boys and healing servants and doing everything. Meanwhile, John is stuck in prison. And John's been in prison for almost a year by this point, and he's just a few weeks away from being beheaded. For many of us, I'm, I'm, I bet if we're honest with ourselves, we find ourselves in those same moments in our lives, right? We find ourselves in, in prisons, sometimes by our own making, sometimes by the making of others. We find ourselves in circumstances that we just didn't think we were going to be in, right? Meanwhile, we look around and we see other people's lives going perfect. We see things going the way that it should go, and, and, we, and we see people getting married and being happy. And meanwhile, you know, we're going through a divorce, or we, or we see people having brand new babies and, and everything. Meanwhile, we're dealing with the death of a loved one, or we see people moving into new homes and starting new businesses. Meanwhile, we're just trying to pay the next bill. We see people, you know, at their children's weddings, and meanwhile, we're not even sure if our child's going to overdose today. And that's the, that's the position that John found himself. He's just going, Lord, what in the world is going on? Why is all this stuff after, I mean, I, don't, I can't tell you for sure what he said, but I know if it was me, I'd be going, why me? Why, why am I not getting to do those things? Why, why is that not the, the ministry that I'm getting to experience? Why is that not the life I'm getting to experience? And John finds himself in this prison in this, in this very, very low moment hearing everything that's going on and knowing that his circumstances are beyond his control. I was watching a series on, I can't remember if it's Netflix or... Um, Prime, but I think it's the, uh, um, I don't know, it's one of the Tom Clancy series. Um, anyway, it's a series, and so there's a scene in there where, um, where they're, they're about to, they're trying to extract some information out of this terrorist, and so they're having this conversation, and, and the, the um, interrogator's getting ready to go in there, and he's confident he's going to get the information, and so they, he, one of the characters asks the question, how are you confident you can get the information? He goes, because all men break eventually. And I was thinking about that line as I was preparing this and I was thinking about how, how true that is for you and I that, that despite how great our life is, despite how confident we are in Christ, there's always those moments that come up that cause us to break, right? That just, just causes us to, to, to get to the end of ourselves where, we're, where we are just hopelessly dependent on Christ. And unfortunately for those of us who don't know the grace and the peace and the mercy that comes with Christ, when we get to the end of ourselves, we really are at the end of ourselves. And so John has this incredible moment of doubt and so he asked his disciples to go to the, the, the one that he was so confident was who he says that he was and he said, go and ask him if he was the one, if he is the one that's to come, or do we wait for somebody else? Imagine what that would have been like for those disciples to have seen their, their teacher in such a low, desperate place to, to be doubting the, the very one that he's spent his entire life proclaiming. And so they go and they ask Jesus this question and 
I love Jesus' response because I, I've read this passage several times and, and over the years and, and I always kind of tried to really kind of understand where Jesus was coming at and how I would respond and, and, and you, know, you can read it depending on what mood you're in and come up with a lot of different uh, ways in which Jesus um, said what he said but, but if you'll indulge me for a few minutes I, I really have spent some, some time kind of trying to think about Jesus' humble, gentle heart and, and how it would have broken his heart in that moment to know that, that John, John's heart was so broken and so full of fear and doubt that, that he had begun to question whether Jesus was who he said he was, whether Jesus loved him, whether Jesus was going to save him. What, what's going on? And so when the, when the disciples come and they, they go to Jesus, they ask the question. And I love that Scripture says in verse 21, it says, at that very time, at that very moment when those disciples ask that question, hey, John's got some doubts. And I'm sure because he was their teacher, it created doubts in them as well, right? And so Jesus goes, hold on a minute. Before I answer that, let me cure a few more people. Let me do a few more miracles. And then, after he had done those things, after he had healed many diseases, many who were sick, drove out many evil spirits, he invited the disciples of John to witness that firsthand and then says... Go back and tell John what you've seen. Can you imagine the, the transformational moment that we have here in Scripture? This, in, this incredible, incredible moment in which you've got this, this man of God who's had no doubt. In fact, his very confidence in Jesus is what's landed him in prison. He was so bold that he was willing to, to stand up to the authorities of the day and go, no, I know that Jesus is who he says he is. And now, just moments before he's about to be beheaded, he, he has this moment of doubt and sends these disciples. And, and I'm sure that for many of us, we find ourselves in that situation, right, where, where we are so confident that Jesus is who he says he is until those, until those incredible moments hit us. And we find ourselves either at our worst or in a scenario that was the worst thing that we could have imagined. And our hearts are broken. And fear is set in. We're, we're in the middle of doing a study called Anxious for Nothing. And our, our topic this week was just hit me so hard as what we were going to be talking about that, that we have these moments where we doubt is Jesus truly the way, the truth, and the life? And Jesus could have answered John in a ton of different ways but he could have just simply said yes. He could have simply said, you know, given him a lot of other answers but I love what Jesus' response was. Jesus reminds John very similar to the way that God reminded Moses when Moses was in his moments of doubt and God said, I am who I am. And Jesus goes, yes, I am who I am because 
The blind see. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. Sins are forgiven. The good news of the gospel is preached. I am who I say I am. Go back and tell John that. Notice that Jesus didn't go back and tell John everything was going to be okay. He didn't change his circumstances. John still gets beheaded a few weeks later. His head gets served on a platter. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that is is faithful in spite of the circumstances that we're in, in spite of the brokenness that we're in, in spite of what's going on, in spite of the storm that rages around us. God doesn't have to change our circumstances. He just simply changes our heart. Because Paul reminds us that our circumstances are light and momentary troubles, right? That, that what God is doing in us is, is eternal. And Jesus reminds John in this moment, hey, what I'm doing here is so much bigger than just your current circumstance. That if, John, I want you to be encouraged, not because of your circumstances, but I want you to be encouraged because of what's going on. That everything that you've been proclaiming, everything, every cost that you've paid for this moment has been worth it and will continue to be worth it I'm going to invite the band to come up I want to close with a few thoughts of for you and I and what is the my wife always asks me when I'm working on my messages what's your end game what's your end what's the what's the end and it was interesting because I was really thinking about that the other day and I was thinking about you and I and, and our circumstances and I, I'm absolutely aware that there are people in this room who have incredibly difficult moments going on in their lives right now. I can tell you how absolutely vulnerable and hopeless and insufficient I felt two weeks ago sitting in the ER room with my father at two o'clock in the morning. I was thinking about Abraham and who had a child with another woman because he doubted that God's truth was true. And then he even laughed at God when God told him that Sarah would give him a son. And yet God says that his descendants would outnumber the stars. Moses kills a man, flees. The Lord speaks to him in a burning bush. And Moses looks at him and goes, you got the wrong guy. And God uses him to lead his people out of captivity. King David has an affair. Kills the husband of the woman that he's having the affair with is forced to flee from his kingdom because his offspring are trying to kill him. And God says he's a man after his own heart. Peter denies Jesus, returns to fishing, and God uses him as the rock to build his church. Paul delights in pursuing and killing Christians denies that 
Jesus is the Messiah writes two-thirds of the New Testament. You and I are a work in progress. I heard a quote today that was so powerful to me. It says, we cannot afford to live by our own opinions. You and I cannot afford to live by the opinions of our circumstances, the opinions of who we are in those circumstances, the opinions of who we are in a moment of time because that simply is not the truth of who we are. Our worst moments and our best moments may only be a few pages apart in the story of our lives. We may not be where we want to be. You may find yourself looking at your life going, this is not the way I thought it was going to go. But Jesus knows who you are. Regardless of what chapter you're in, Jesus promises that he's writing the end of your story. That he is the way and the truth and the life. That he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That we shouldn't base our, that his grace is sufficient. He promises to complete a great work in us. Again, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your circumstances are. Maybe today you're on, you're on your spiritual mountaintop. But just know a valley could be right around the corner. And maybe today you're in a deep, deep valley. And you're so far down, you can't even see the horizon. And maybe today, you're here and you're questioning, is this Jesus really who he says he is? Let me leave you with this promise. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus reminds John, don't lose heart on account of me. Don't look at your present circumstances. Don't look at where I've got you. Don't look at what's going on in your life because I cause all things to work together for good. And I promise I have plans to bless you and prosper you and not to harm you. I am John. Yes, I am who I say I am.